It's Saturday, July 13th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 518 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is one hour and one minute. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. Dan, you've got the lights off in the studio today. I like it. It's I do. Intimate. Well, we need some candles. Okay. So, and like a sitar. Or the lights off in the sauna, as I refer to it. Because mm. by the end of the episode, three to four guys in a small room with the door closed. Yeah. It gets so, hot. okay. Mm. I figured out a few things since living here because the AC, of course, is in the basement. And this condo has two stories over the basement. So there's a main floor and then an upper floor. And both the recording studio and the gaming room where we play the actual play, which I intend to condense into one room, is on the second floor. And the AC just doesn't quite reach it that well. Well, and the other thing that sucks for me is I come straight from work where I'm mm. wearing a button-up long sleeve shirt. Yeah. I don't change clothes, and I should just keep... Just take like your a- pants off. It's time for business. <laughs> what I really need is just take my shirt off. Well, what yeah, I yeah, you do. What I, I should have a t-shirt in my car. So what mm-hmm. I found that helps is I turn the AC really low mm-hmm. before we start, so it's already kind of pre-cooled, but also low enough that the AC will never catch up with the temperature, so it is constantly running the entire time we're doing this. And something that does help is if I have the doors open up on this floor, we get much better circulation. Mm -hmm. So the rooms are cooler. Whereas if I close the doors, they stay much warmer, even when we're not in them. The bitch is our AP weeks Mm -hmm. are on the weeks that I have to go into the office because Chad and I alternate. We share a desk. So one week he's in the office. The next week I'm in the office. The week that I'm in the office is the week of the AP. And Mm -hmm. since I'm not home and Charlie tends to... Well, he's going to get in all the food in the gaming room. So I have to close that door. Yeah. So I can't leave that open to get that circulation oh, we going. Switch. So we switch weeks. Well, we can. And maybe yeah. we should talk to our boss about doing mm-hmm. that, about flipping weeks, either for the AP or for mm-hmm. office weeks. Sure. Just to s- straighten that out. Because, yeah, during the summer in particular... Yeah, during the winter, it's not going to matter. Well, yeah, because in the winter, we heat the room up and whatever. It, yeah, it's we just fine. fart a lot. We're guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just fart a lot. And if it gets to be too bad, we crack a window. Especially mm-hmm. Brodor. Oh, <laughs> Especially man. if he's had rice. That man. That man's gastrointestinal tract or what's left of it. Yeah, I, I don't get that. I He's all dead on the inside. <laughs> he has to be just a rotting corpse on the inside. <laughs> so I have a really weird conundrum in a game. And there's a whole chain of consequences that led up to this. But the conundrum is so weird to state in its most honest form, which is I'm struggling with the fact that I can't kill myself, Hmm. (laughs) which is bizarre as it sounds. So let me explain how the hell I got to this point. All right. And I don't mean literally killing myself. I'm not talking. Yes, I'm talking about a character. I'm not talking about or normalizing or encouraging actual suicide. I'm talking about a character here. So. Eric approached me about doing a series of shows for a gamer's table sub show called Openly Gamer Theater, where they do an AP, but unlike the Skies of Glass AP, they go back and heavily edit it and he turns it into, so he takes that raw role play. So there's no script, but he takes the role play and then condenses it into an audio drama with narration and even like if you say something that's in the third person, like, well, my character does this, he'll have you recut it in the first person. So it's an audio drama. The game that he chose is a game that's kind of weird for me, which is a world of darkness game called Promethean. And for anyone who's not familiar with Promethean, that's their Frankenstein setting or their, Oh, who was in Greek mythology, the statue that came alive and then upset Aphrodite, and I I can't think who that was. It slips my mind right now, too. But, okay, at least know the legend I'm talking about. It's about inanimate objects coming to life through alchemy or magic or super science or whatever, and they have a bunch of different angles for it. I had a struggle coming up with a character for this, because in sitting around reading fiction or thinking about fiction or contemplating life, I come up with character concepts that would work in a whole variety of settings and genres. And so if you said, just out of nowhere, Dan, we're going to play a D&D game, and I had zero prep for this, 
I probably already have half a dozen ideas for D&D characters that I can work into this somewhere. But I have never in my life sat around and thought about, well, what would I play in a Frankenstein setting? It's not my jam in terms of fiction. It's not one of my preferred genres. It's It's a really good book. It is. It's funny, though, how misunderstood the book is because of the fact that I had always presupposed that the story of Frankenstein is a Victorian grave robber and a body snatcher, which was a big issue in the Victorian era because that's how they were doing a lot of medical research was they were doing it on cadavers that nobody was giving up legally, and so they were stealing them. And I had always understood the story to be about a scientist who took a bunch of these cadavers, and by the way, in the Victorian age as well, they were also just starting to with electricity, and they found that if you run electricity through a corpse, that it would go through weird motion, some of which seemed very lifelike. And so I always assumed that Frankenstein was, as it's popularly portrayed, a doctor or scientist digs up a bunch of corpses, stitches them back together, and uses lightning to bring it back to life. Because those were the bits of science they didn't understand. Just like Peter Parker with the radioactive spider when they didn't understand that radiation just gives you thyroid cancer. But that's not at all how the book goes. That was a popular retelling that popped up so close to the book because it was turned into a silent movie so rapidly that that became the understanding of the story. But the actual story is more of a Renaissance, like esoteric sciences, alchemy sort of thing where Victor Frankenstein goes up into an attic and he creates the body from scratch. There are no cadavers involved. He builds the body and then brings it to life with like some Nostradamus-esque alchemy process. There's no electricity. There's no cadavers. None of that. that that's all later invention. But so I'm sitting there like, what am I going to play in this setting? I've, mm. never, I've never thought about this. It's just completely out of my wheelhouse. And it wasn't even like the problem I had in Dresden where I didn't get the setting, but I had characters that would work. There's nothing there. And so the only thing I came up with was a City of Villains character that I had played called Stitcher. And what Stitcher was, was Stitcher was a... Music service? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stitcher, the character was created before Stitcher, the music service, oh, existed. Still, you should sue. But he was a bunch of sewn-together body parts and cybernetic parts, and I made him so it looked like he was just this sewn-together mess of biological and mechanical refuse. And it, for anyone who knows City of Villains, which is the City of Heroes sub-game it was made in, there was a class called the Mastermind, and Stitcher could create other little robots that would go out and do his bidding. And I kind of centered his power around radiation and weird science and all this stuff. And so I reworked the concept of Stitcher, to be a little bit more World of Darkness and less City of Villains. I said, what if there was a guy who died? And he doesn't remember his death. He doesn't really even know who he was. But after he died, somebody took his body, and they didn't resurrect the body. But the brain is an incredibly sophisticated processor. And so they created a low-level artificial intelligence that is simply using human body parts, primarily the enteric and central nervous systems, as a primary and secondary CPU. So it's code. It is a robot more than a, a human. It's a robot modified with organic parts, not an organic organism modified with robotic parts. So it's a go-bot. <laughs> no, they didn't have uh, biological parts. They, they have brain did they? They had a brain. That's why they're different from Transformers. I did not. I honestly did not know that. Mm -hmm. I know there was a, another series where a bunch of robots had brains that I had. Is Jason the Mighty Warriors or something? I had to ask yes. people what the name of it was. But so he's got a mix of cybernetic and biological parts. But the human part of him is either dead or imprisoned and mm -hmm. is all subservient to the mechanical part. Now, the question is, where does this go? Because part of the point of Promethean 
is that you are supposed to be on this journey towards making yourself human. And nobody even knows if this is possible because it's said that if a Promethean pulls it off, they lose all memory of their Promethean life. That's convenient. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a convenient bit. And so, of course, the answer is yes, but mm-hmm. you have to pretend it may not be yes or something. And I'm sure there's that one dick GM who it actually is no for. Right. But for most GMs, the answer is going to be yes, but you have to work with that uncertainty. And so I'm like, well, okay, so here's this robot that's not an AI. Not really. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just a chat bot of sorts that really doesn't understand much less care about its predicament that has a human portion that is either dead or in prison. And I only see this going one of two ways, which is either the robotic portion understands the situation enough to understand it is fundamentally a crime against God and man and shuts itself down or the human portion wakes up and realizes its predicament and blows its brains out to escape it. And so I'm like, wow, that's kind of hopeless. Well, yeah, but it's World of Darkness, right? Sure. I mean, it's supposed to be headed someplace really grotesque. See, I would think the AI would wake up and not care. Yeah, or want to be more robotic. Well, no, and or that's more human. Get that's, rid of the human aspect. That's or, if, or their way. That's yeah. where it's headed if nobody intervenes. But part of the story of Promethean is you're on this thing called the journey or the path or something like that, where you are supposed to be attaining humanity. And so the other characters, both PC and NPC, are attempting to help me on this path to humanity. So the entire party is nudging me and sheepdogging me toward not doing that. Hmm. So the the other players are not Prometheans? No, they are. Oh, so it's like a competition thing. There can only be one? No, no, no. You're all in it together. It's a support group. It's bingo. It's more oh, like a support oh, group. I, I must have misunderstood. I thought you said that they were trying to stop you from... No, being, no, no, oh, no, no, no. They're all trying to help each yes, other. Yes, gotcha. they're all trying to nudge each other. Yeah. In it's fact, the let be, let's be human meetup group. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Because you all understand you're not human, and your presence causes something called disquiet, which is even if a human thinks you're human... Something about you creeps them out, Mm -hmm. so you never can fully fit into human society. So you're constantly trying to escape that, and you don't like where you're at. You want to be something better, which is probably what differentiates it from most of the world darkness settings where you kind of wallow in evil. Mm -hmm. But you want to be something better. And so him being contented or even simply not having the capacity for contentment or discontentment I don't think is going to last. I think the other players are going to feel compelled to do things to nudge. I say him, it's really more of an it towards some kind of self-realization. And so I'm, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, like, man, human or robot, no matter who's in control, this probably ends with him blowing his brains out. I think this character fails a group template. Because it's going yeah. against the nature of the game and the nature of the group. No, because the nature of the group is to have, and I, it is open. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not saying that's how it has to end. Right. But there is certainly the room here for the group to work on him. He is going to be their hardest case. Mm-hmm. But I, I did ask Eric, I said, okay, does it feel to you like there are no openings? Because if it does, here's a couple openings by which people could reach him on some emotive or spiritual level in a way that you couldn't do with a pure desktop computer. Okay. So there are some ins to this. So I gave some books to this. Like one of them is his construction process was interrupted. Mm -hmm. So he does not have his full programming. So the missing programming might be enough to turn him from a chat bot into an actually sapient or sentient creature. Uh, another possibility is they could possibly rehabilitate the human pieces of him to the point that they begin to override the mechanical parts of him or something. But so we're sitting there in session zero and Eric asks the very good question of, is there any theme or subject matter anyone really wants to avoid? And immediately one of the people in the group says suicide. And I'm like, well, (laughs) because now this has no longer just the likely, but not fixed. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. a railroad even as a player, but I can no longer even allow this to be a likely outcome for the character. This now has to be a non-starter. 
So you're on session zero, right? Yes. You haven't even rolled up the character yet. Correct. Right? Are you in love with this character? Well, Eric has already <laughs> done such a good job of integrating it with the other characters that I think what I have to be careful with, because I'm with you. Yeah. Part of what you, I was because I would because yeah. my advice is very basic. Of yeah, don't play this character. Yeah, just make a yeah. new character. Because when <laughs> I was starting this character, I'm like, wow, this is really grim. This is really messed up. This fits yeah. in perfectly with World of Darkness. Until, but does it fit in with the group? Until I yeah. heard what the group is doing right. and one of the players say no suicide. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, so you, I probably need to make a different character. Sure. But by this point, I was starting to get interested in the character. Mm. I don't know that I have a lot of other ideas. It's not like I have 10 other Prometheans lined up that I'm itching to play. I've got nothing. And Eric had come up with a bunch of very interesting ways to integrate this character with the group, how he or it got picked up how it fits into the group, why they care about it, so on and so forth. So I just started to have to accept that I have to, in a sense, do the inverse of railroading. I can always go anywhere but there. I mean, it depends on how extreme you're talking. Like, there's an argument against very heavy role-playing that some people have made where it's like you can take role play too far. And I don't mean like loss of reality out of black touch. leaf. Yeah. 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 I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about more of it's still a friendly game and everybody's having fun. People saying, well, I do this thing. I, or my character does this thing. Well, that screws me over and my character over and the group over, or make it lowers the fun ratio of everyone. You doing that thing. Well, it's what my character would do. Yeah, I I'm playing that. in character. So the people that are prisoner to their character yeah, somehow. And, but that's what I'm hearing with this character. It's like you're not doing it because the game hasn't started yet, but you're like preloading that. Well, and I, I was certainly thinking in terms you're being very true to the character. Well, and I was thinking <laughs> in terms of extrapolation, right? Yeah. If I yeah. connect A to B to C, where do I end up in the future? And it strikes me that just statistically speaking, the most probable ending is self-termination. Yeah. That this is an unwinnable or so horrifically painful route that it's not going to be worth taking. Lighten the character up by a few degrees. Remove the, the C part of that, whatever well, that is. Even if, even if do I don't lighten the character up. I now Make it a little bit more human or a little bit more robot. Or I at least have to talk to Eric and make sure he understands... Here are some of the outs. And if he doesn't touch any of those, because I got to be responsible for mm -hmm. my character. Right. It is not He's Eric's, got a whole game to run. Yeah, it is yeah. not Eric's job. It is his job to give me hooks and opportunities. It is not his job to puppet my every action or right. to enable my every choice. So I think I ought to inform him that these are the outs I need or whatever. But if he doesn't, I need to start thinking through, well, here are some other options that backed into that corner... A good character should not be one knob that goes from zero to ten and has sure. all these points in between. A good character is an array of knobs and switches and buttons. And the more detail you put into it, the more knobs and switches and buttons there are. And what I'm getting at is that if you really want to play this character for all these different reasons you said, sounds like a good character, then you need to think of ways to put more knobs and buttons and more details and stuff into the character so that you and he have more to work with. Yeah. It can't be that, let's just go through the scenario of Eric drops the ball from your perspective. He doesn't give you the hooks and the, the what you need to not cap your character. That's not anything against Eric because, like I said, he's got a whole game to run and if there are a whole bunch of people sitting around the table, and not only is it uh, he has a whole game to run. He is converting the game to a theater thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's not just he's pressing record and going and letting you guys do your thing. So I would not lean on Eric for any of this. I would, if I were you, I would have to, like, alter the character to where I expect Eric not to do anything. Even though I do, yeah. and he will, I would put if that in... To the beginning. If this is a strong enough thing that you don't feel you can think of a reason why this character wouldn't do that, then take that option away from the character. Something in its program doesn't allow it. Yeah, and that's no. kind of where I'm thinking. Add, or, or add in that or limitation. Or better yet, the robot part, like I said, it's chatbot. It doesn't care. Capping itself, is that a logical outcome? Sure. But then there's this human part in him that isn't screaming, no, this is horrible. There's this human part in him that says, this sucks, but don't 
do it. Yeah. We can find a different way. Yeah. Like, it's a great contrast because you have the cold calculation of the robot, yet you have the inner strength and humanity of the human wanting to live. Either way gives you your answer of the character can't do it whether it wants to or not. Yeah, yeah. well, in either way that we approach this, if I take this even purely from the machine aspect, the machine can have other answers. Mm-hmm. It can reach a point of there is no way forward, but instead of termination, I will simply turn myself off. And I don't mean a suicidal thing. I mean, like, I'm going to go into a torpor or a sleep mode or whatever indefinitely because the technology does not exist to solve this problem. So it's not dead. It could be turned back well, on. Or even think but of it's it simply, this way. My car, when it can't go forward anymore, it doesn't turn itself off. Or turn around or do anything. It just simply it. Yeah. Well, I, I think a way that I was thinking about it in that regard is an overheating computer. Mm. Most overheating computers nowadays are designed to do one of two things. The processor is overheating. The first thing it does is what's called a step down, where the processor starts reducing its own processing capability to reduce its own heat burden. So let's say you, I'm just making this up. Let's say you have a processor that normally functions at three gigahertz but it's overheating, well, it backs off to 2.5 gigahertz and then to 2 gigahertz and to 1.5 gigahertz. It starts slowing itself down to release the heat burden. And in the same way, this thing could say, well, I need to preserve myself and these lines of thought are leading to self-destruction. Therefore, they're off. Mm -hmm. They're just done. No logical reason, no motivation. I'm just turning them off as unacceptable subroutines. Yeah. Or the other option is if you continue to overheat a computer, most of them are designed to avoid destroying or short-circuiting themselves. They shut off. Mm. So if you take a typical modern-day server and you yank all the heat sinks out of it and you let it just fry itself before the point of actually frying itself, they will shut down. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not dead. You could open it up. In fact, that's the point is it stopping shy of self-destruction. You could pop it open, fix the problem, turn it back on, and it's right back where you left it. And I, I that's part of what my calculus is. Is you know I, I don't want to get caught up in the, the X card sure. thing again, but I, the point is, certainly wherever I fall in the X card, I do respect the boundaries of other players. Absolutely. And the moment that she said, I cannot emotionally deal with suicide in the game, Suicide got removed from the table. Absolutely. And so my character, like I said, it's like the reverse train track. I cannot go onto the train tracks, period. Yeah. Well, one thing you also need to watch out for in this case is suicide is off the table. That means the talk of it, the the struggling with it. This is something your character is going through. Normally, these kind of things are things that come out at the table. That coming out at the table that your character is struggling with. That it. puts suicide back on the table. Yes. Yeah, I'm certainly going to have to either avoid that completely, which I think will help given the fact that he's highly robotic. He's not really prone to sharing his feelings anyway. Yeah. And the other option that I have is when he talks about it, it can be much like Disney talks about sex. <laughs> that it's implied and it's talked around, but it's never front and center. Mm-hmm. When Nala lays back and gives some of that look, everybody knew what it meant. But it's nothing of the sort is actually shown. It doesn't turn into furry porn midway through the movie. <laughs> well, not totally. But I think it's the same type of thing where if somebody really questions him, well, where does this, this, and this lead? And he could say, well, I suppose under those premises, it would lead to self-termination is a bit different than him sitting there with a pistol to his head <laughs> saying, you know, give me a reason or I pull. Yeah. And this is something where I'm going to need to maybe talk to either Eric or to her directly and say, look, where are the boundaries here? Is it you simply don't want the suicide? You don't want the mention of it? We can mention it, but it has to be somewhat dispassionate. Well, you know, how close can we get? I where you're personally... I wouldn't even put it in the character, to be honest with yep. you. I mean, you're at session zero. You like the character. Eric said some nice things about it, and he has a couple of ideas. If it is so important to where you can't even drop the concept of suicide, you have to rename the suicide, turning off, doing all that stuff, or it's going to be a wink and then the lights go dark sort of thing. 
stupid? Why even yeah. go to that edge? Why set yourself up for it? Yeah. Because- why even chance it? It's a role-playing game. It's a limited run. It's going to be this sort of theater production thing. Yeah, just make a new character. Yeah. I or, mean, I know you don't have a yeah, ideas, that, but that's you're a fine. smart guy. Play that's, the character, but like we said, turn off those subroutines. You have, or have something in there where it doesn't get brought up at the table because the character's not able I to. I can tell you... In how you describe this, yeah. you have a very well thought out character starting to gel and solidify in your mind of how to play it. The answer is yes, you'll be fine, but let, I'm going to ask a question anyway. In the heat of the moment in role playing, when things are going, when all the cylinders are firing and it's a really tense moment and everybody's having fun and everybody's super into your character and you are into your character and you absolutely do not want to be the jerk and you're not going to be the jerk and you're not even thinking about it and you're going and then boom and then you put it out on the table and you're like, I don't think it'll be an issue. I don't think it will either, but because of the fact that I am a very, very empathetic person, obviously by virtue of humble, but. Sure. <laughs> but by virtue of me bringing this yeah. up as a show topic, clearly this is at the forefront of my Absolutely. mind. You know, this is clearly not some rounding error in my character creation. Right. And I have been talking to Eric. You've so got a good character and you don't want to be a jerk. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So I, I think I am going to play the character, but I think the thought exercise here is twofold. One is to, of course, be concerned about what concerns the other people at the table to not make the choices that are going to upset other people. Mm -hmm. But secondly, is it's something that you talked about, Chad, and I've talked about in previous episodes and the phrase that I always come back to is you are not a prisoner to anything in a role-playing game, right? I don't care if you're the game master or the player, that's what so-and-so would do, or that's what the dice say, or that's what the rules say. I'm not telling you not to play the game that way if that's how your group does it. That's fine. But understand that that's a choice. Yeah. Nothing is making you do anything. The rules are not making you do something. Your character is not making you do something. The NPCs are not making you do something. Internal consistency is only as much of a ball and chain as you allow it to be. Now, if your gaming style is the rules are the rules and the characters are characters and we take it how it falls. That's cool. If you're if group, everyone is on the same if that's page. the social contract, yeah. right? That's not the social contract in sure. this group. The social contract in this group is to instead bend that we may not break. Yeah. And it is all about everyone making a good story. The players are a writers of this story as much as the game master is. Yeah. And I would even argue sometimes, if not more. Yeah. Oh, no, I'd agree. And, I'd agree. So when you are faced with, not you, Dan, I'm talking the general. Sure, the generic every, you. The generic you. When you are faced with this sort of thing of, well, I can make this decision. Will it raise the level of fun for the group? Will it tell a good story? If the answer is no to one of those questions, you really have to consider what you're doing. If it, the answer is no to both of those, you need to change it. And I don't care if, if that's what your character would do. You're making things less fun and you're making for a dumb story. Yeah, And that doesn't mean everything you do has to make the group go forward. Right. The, conflict is a good story. Yeah. You need conflict. Story comes Sometime, out of failures. Yeah. Story comes out well, of I mean, there's, Sometimes there's, the characters should do things that aren't the best thing for the party or you, cause problems. You woke up, you had a good day, you kissed your wife goodnight, and you went to sleep. It's boring! <laughs> no one wants to play that! Well, I yeah. think that there are, there are two questions, and I think the second one sometimes gets overlooked, or maybe, I guess, depending on the group it gets over-focused on, I guess I have seen it both ways. But question A is, would Stitcher kill himself? That's question mm-hmm. A. But question B is, would Dan knowingly and willfully emotionally upset another player? Yeah. Okay, and that's a question that deserves... Well, it, it's like I said, if you answer no to one of those, you really need to consider what and how you're doing. And that's where you're at. If the answer is no to both of them, you need to throw it out. If Stitcher would kill himself, that will lower the fun of the story or upset someone. Maybe is Dan going to be a jerk? If he is? Yeah, (laughs) that's where I'm at, is is between talking to Eric and giving him some ways out, Mm -hmm. 
But then, once again, I can't rely on Eric to do. It's not right. his responsibility Absolutely to keep not. my character from killing Especially himself. Especially in this game, right? Because it's not just a straight up game. And yeah. so you have agreed to the social contract of your character will not do that. Yes. And so the second point. thing I have to do is if I play this character is I now have to recalculate the character mm-hmm. such that A to B to C does not extrapolate to suicide. It extrapolates okay. to something else. And, you know and, and I really want to stress that. It's probably not just the action. If every session the character's like, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, so that it's is okay. just as bad as doing right. it. For, yeah. In fact, it's worse. For a person struggling with that's going to trigger them. Yeah, I mean, no, Wayne, you're absolutely right. That is, It is not the job of anyone else to keep me from doing that or to constantly entertain my flirting with the concept. And so I I intend to find some Mm -hmm. way out of this. Well, and I will say, too, that when you're writing something, the second drafts are usually better than the first. Yeah. I mean, you have a good Passover of a solid character. Now you need to review it and do a Passover again. Add more detail, change things up, tighten it up. We were talking about who is the Garthinus at dinner. Where (laughs) the biggest problem the man has is DC cut him loose and stopped telling him no. Right. You think he did multiple edits? Yeah. (laughs) He would have been a much better writer if somebody had been there telling him no to some of his ideas. Yeah. Yeah. When he has a good editor, he does some really good work. Mm -hmm. And then when he doesn't have an editor, we get the boys. Yeah. Yeah. And so there you go, folks. That's that's perhaps the takeaway here is you need somebody telling you no. No, Dan. Yes. No. By which I mean yes, no. Yes, yes. Y- yes no. to the no. Good. I'm no. assenting to the no. Bad. No. Hot. <laughs> so the other topic we're going to talk about today is character death. Yeah. <laughs> is the actuality yeah. okay. is the fulfillment so of Dan's poor decisions. L- l- let me pause here to say <laughs> these had nothing to do with each no, other. No, okay. Well, number one, they had nothing to do with each other. Number two, if you have not caught up through episode 45 of the actual play for Skies of Glass, go listen to that now, because we were about to spoil a major plot point in that. Yeah, you know, pause your life for the next four hours. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just saying, if you don't want that spoiled, that's, that's what we're about to talk about. Yeah, but num- In this case, it was the character died. I don't think it has to be for this topic, though. The character swan song could be... They're now leaving the area. They're yeah. Now, so let's say it's a game where everyone's all in the same it's, city. It, it's like it says, the comma, not the period. You yeah. know, they're leaving the city. They're never. You're never going to see them again. That's a swan song as well. So the third point is that we're going to move away from talking about the Blades in the Dark game, Back yes. to Sky's Glass, because, look, that's where our show topics come from is the games mm-hmm. we're playing. And in our most recent session of Skies of Glass, as of this episode being recorded, I think as of being dropped, there will actually be an episode 46 by then. But as of right now, 45 is the most recent one we did. There was a death of Eric's prior character, Modemar. Mm-hmm. And there that, is debate whether it's a player character death or NPC death. Yeah, and I think Ezra raised a good, a good argument as no, well. No, I think it was a bunch of whinging. <laughs> I could go either way. All right, but well, I certainly any way you argue it, the character had at one point been a PC yes. and could have become a PC again. Now that did not happen, mm-hmm. but the same way that Void slash Lee and Philip both went from off camera to NPC to PC, mm-hmm. it could have happened. It did not play out that way, but the game ended with his character. Shockingly. Yeah, Motomar, who is... Okay, let me give you a shortened version for anyone who's not following the AP. Let me give you a high-level version, because we always try to make our advice system and game agnostic. So let me try and explain to you what the agnostic advice is here, or the agnostic topic is. So what happened was we had a character who was at least arguably a player character, certainly a major NPC, if nothing else, die. And... The situation and the storytelling by the players and the GM surrounding that created an excellent swan song. Now, for anyone who's not familiar with the phrase swan song or English isn't your first language, you just haven't heard the figure of speech. A swan song is a reference to the context, the social context, the story context that occurs before the end of something like somebody's death. 
Okay, so if somebody shows up and makes their big heroic last stand and then gets shot through the chest and then gives the tell my wife I love her speech and then dies, that scene is their swan song. Okay, and the last game unintentionally, mm-hmm. because none of us set out to do this. This was not planned. This was not railroaded. To the best of my knowledge, there were no side conversations in the cars on the way to the game about how this was going to happen. It was just intense, murderous intent from the game master. The game ended up becoming the swan song for a character. Yeah, not just because the character died, but because the nature of that session was all about that character. And not just the character, but it was about where the character had been, why the character had been there, where the character was going, and what the character's sort of motivations were. That was a big part of why this all came together. The character had been front and center, and then the character left with open questions. Mm -hmm. Left because we stopped that part of the campaign and started a new one. There were unanswered questions about it. It had loose strings that needed to be tied up. And for anyone that's trying to figure out what the applicability is of this, once again, to an agnostic sort of view of gaming, to any game, any session, any setting, any system, is depending on the game, sometimes random, inconsequential, casual death makes sense. Sometimes that's just part of the social contract of, the random orc killed you for no reason other than the fact that it rolled a 20 and you failed your death mini game in 5e. And some groups, that's what they want, and that's fine. For some settings, like Skies of Glass, though it wasn't the case here, somebody dies for no other reason than doing a double high five in front of a sniper, <laughs> and they just get shot dead and die out from femoral artery bleeding all over the floor of an auto plant they die out for me trying to help that's Mm. well yeah and wayne trying to help killing you is just somehow poetic (laughs) it's like almost like a teleological argument for god google that one if you (laughs) want to but the point being though that it certainly is a certain type of moment in a game but it doesn't always make sense sometimes you want character death to be meaningful maybe because it's rare maybe it's not rare but there's just a character that someone really likes and they don't want their character to go out on this random event because one of the things that got said in passing, which is why in most games I do not kill characters half so often, a quarter so often as I do in Skies of Glass, is because it's been my experience that if people put a lot into a character and those characters get killed in really casual and unexpected circumstances they start reducing how much they put into it. And we all agreed when we sat down to play this game that random and indeed possibly rapid character death was going to be a part of the game. It's very important to this setting for me. In a Skies of Glass game, I want death to always be on the table. But it doesn't change the fact that there is still a story arc to the character. And if you as the player have invested all these ideas and all this energy into the character and the other players have invested all this time in interacting with the character, and suddenly, just like that, for no good reason, they get stabbed in the background of a scene and they're gone? It's like such a cheat. You know, you never feel like that story got told. And I realize real life works that way. Yes, I realize there are people in the prime of their life who get killed by a drunk driver and that's it. Okay, I realize that happens. But when you sit down to a game or you're reading a novel or watching a movie... That's not typically what most people want. Yeah. You know, they don't want that every character you've invested just randomly dies for no reason. It's like the example I gave earlier. You wake up, you're having a good day, you kiss your wife, you go to bed. Nobody wants that story. It's boring. You get up, you walk outside, you get struck by lightning, you make a new character. Nobody wants that story either. Yeah. You kiss your wife, you go to sleep for the night, and in the middle of the night... you don't wake up. Yeah, you have heart (laughs) failure and don't wake up. I mean, and you've put session upon session into developing this character and everyone's interacted with him or her and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that's really not where you want this to go. Okay. With that out of the way, what ended up happening by accident? I would Mm. love to take credit for this. (laughs) I would love to point at some other player at the table and say they can take credit for it 
because then we could tell you what great gamers we are and we could dissect this for tons of advice based on our brilliance. And the fact is, I can't. This was picking the right lottery numbers, okay? There was no strategy here. This just happened. But this game was a beautiful swan song to Mm -hmm. Eric's prior player character, his current player character. He's is on junior again. His his prior who also died. His his, but his back and sort of. But (laughs) well, I look at the difference between the two characters. Junior's story was not done and it was cut short. Mm -hmm. Junior's character is back. Part of that was because, like you said, you know, you put all this effort into a character and then it got killed because of a double high five. Yes, that can happen, but it didn't make the most compelling end story for that character. No, it didn't. And it also cut off the NPC that this character was connected to, which, by the way, can happen with your character as well. If you're playing a game and you've got a character that has a ton of death in the plot and the other NPCs and whatnot, and suddenly they die and they're gone, and you haven't done anything to evolve that story to where death seems appropriate and logical, those are all left hanging. But what happened, and I want to take apart what happened with Eric's character that made this such a good swan song for the character. And we're going to start with one that this was intentional, but this was done without the knowledge that the character was going to die. And Chad, this is something you pointed out. The amount of camera time given Mm -hmm. to the character. Yeah. I mean, maybe the first... 20 minutes of the game we kind of introed into the sort of story but as soon as he came on the metaphorical camera i don't think he left the camera except for maybe just a a short tangent here and there the session was all about him and how the character had changed yeah like you said earlier wayne the character left and then we started playing another group within the same game and the character of modemar left for a whole bunch of different reasons. But none of those ever came up. And time passed, and now we come back to Modemar, who is a little older, a little different. Yeah, let's explain Modemar just a little bit. Once again, Inferno is not following the actual play. So it's a Skies of Glass is a post-apocalyptic, post-nuke game. And there are some parts of the world that are fairly civilized. There are some that are more like frontier towns. And then beyond that, you have these total bad lands and really bad people that are out there. And Motomar came from one of these groups of bad people. And he was civilized and sort of brought to heal a bit by an NPC by the name of Pops. And what came out in the course of the first leg of the campaign was that Motomar, though he did not know it, the group that he came from, the bunch of bandits and bad guys that he came from, is a familial line. So they go by blood lineage from one person to the next, and whoever is the next matriarch or patriarch of that group takes on the title of either Ma or Pa. And he found out that by a couple generations detached, he was the next blood relative in line to run that group. And the previous Ma of the group was killed, and... So he went back with the backing of a certain sub-faction of that tribe of bad guys, and he decided to take control of that group with the idea that maybe like directing a forest fire, he could sort of use the bad for good. Mm-hmm. But it's still very, very bad people doing very bad things. But he's kind of thinking, maybe I can at least point them at common enemies, yeah. which is not an easy thing to do because they're a large, complex, and political group under themselves. So that character then got pushed into the sunset and taken off camera as we entered into the second leg of the campaign. And what has happened is in this second campaign, they went to go seek him out at home, in the middle of this tribe of these many, many, many very, very bad people, as he's sitting there on the throne as the new paw of this familial line. And so he's, on the one hand, having to pretend to be the bad guy and maybe even kind of has become the bad guy, but still feels allegiance to the prior characters. So you guys enter into that camp, And now that part was planned. Mm -hmm. The fact that you guys were going to go to this camp and engage him was 
wholly planned. Right. But what happened as a, a bit of serendipity there, just as a bit of lucky coincidence, was the fact that the result of that was the game centered so much around this player character that had been out of the spotlight for a while. And by virtue of playing this character, Eric had to declare either explicitly or implicitly, either by the things he said or at least the things he implied by his behavior, what had been occurring this whole time. Yeah, He explained a character journey from where he had disappeared to here he is today as the paw of the Carver clan. And not through just sitting there and I'm going to tell a story A to B to C to D and this is what happened and I just talked for a half an hour. It was more like just through role playing, through questions, well, through I mean, throwing hell, the very out. act of the character showing up that required a bit of showing, not telling, mm-hmm. because what happened in the time that you guys were there is one case after another was brought before him for judgment, yeah, which revealed a lot about his character because he now has to make these decisions of what is he willing to risk versus what is he willing to take his reward and and so on and so forth. And once again, this wasn't entirely planned. It was Mm kind of planned because you guys even showing up, you're not part of the Carver clan. Right. In fact, you've been opposing them. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you guys were brought before him to have your fate determined, that's look number one into his judgment. Look number two was you were there to try and rescue a little girl. Well, this group doesn't generally just give up their prisoners and their slaves and whatever. So now it's a question of what is he willing to bargain to get you guys what you want, but also maintain face. And there are people within the Carver clan that are pressuring him to become more proactive, to get out there and do more bad things. How does he keep them in line? How does he keep them placated? What is he willing to give up? And all of these told the story of his character. And I realize the specifics may be different for your game, but the point that we need to underline here is a character cannot have their swan song if you don't give them time to sing. Yeah. Yeah. And now that may not be one sitting. That may be three or four sittings. Mm -hmm. But you can tell if you are a consumer of entertainment, (laughs) you should have a good idea of has this character had a chance to tell their story or not? Yeah. And a lot of entertainment, a character that's about to die kind of gets the death flag, so to speak, where you're watching the show and say it's like an intensely unhappy character. Well, in this episode, the character finds their happiness. Well, there's nothing really else for the character after that, so they're probably going to yeah. die. Or if it's a Josh Whedon show, there's a happy couple. One of them's about to die. Part of the thematics of it is wrapping up the loose ends, and not necessarily yeah. in a real overt way, or a way that you would expect. It's not about putting a happy ending on a character and then popping him in the head. A swan song is not like macabre like that. It's more like you as the show creator, so in this example, the game master and the other players and the person who runs the the character can't really play the character anymore for whatever reason. Sure. There's not any more story to tell with that character. Some things happened in the story that makes the character more or less unplayable. Like they become king of the land. Great. Well, they're stuck on a throne while the adventuring party is off slaying dragons. So you really can't play the character anymore. It's things like that. One of the plays that is, they're they're still kind of trying to determine who the great American playwright is. But one of the people that's in contention for this is a playwright by the name of Arthur Miller, who is most known for a play called Death of a Salesman. And Death of a Salesman is, it's a neat play. If, you can't find a recording of a performance on YouTube, which you probably can. I've not looked. I'm sure if you just Google the phrase death of a salesman, you'll probably find the script for the play. The entire play is the swan song of the main character, Willie Loman. That's the entire play mm-hmm. is his swan song. Is you getting context for why he's about to die. Spoiler alert <laughs> for a decades old play. But you know, you see his story you understand the arc of his character. And this is something where I recognize storytelling diverges a bit from real life in that real life per se, except in the retelling, doesn't have a character arc. When he was 13, George Washington was not thinking about an American Revolution. 
that's something that maybe we use to interpret his life after the fact, Mm -hmm. but that's not something that you can imprint upon his character. And maybe the game you're playing is simply about the life and the experiences, the adventures of these characters. It doesn't have a clear ending. Yeah. But in the case of this game and that character, Nomotomar had a definite character arc where the question from his outset was he was born to these monsters. He was civilized by an adoptive father. The adoptive father then disappeared for five years, presumed dead. And the question that was left to this character who was straddling worlds was, who are you? Are you the monster or are you someone striving to be a decent human being? And what happened in the course of this game was that character arc. And once again, I realize life isn't this clean cut, but fiction often is. The entire story and what I interpret as the purpose of that character, which was determined who he is going to be, it was settled. Because mm-hmm. there was a point when I thought Motomar might try to sneak away from the Carvers and get back with the group and go back to his arc of redemption and decency, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. He said with no uncertainty, I am going to stay here and either be part of or at least try and direct the forest fire. I think that right there is a trigger of if you've had a great session focused on the character and they answer a core question about them, that's the perfect time to swan song the character. Yeah, when you whether have- it's killing them or moving them off. I have another example of one that I didn't think about until right now. Chad's character in the Dresden game. Mm. Uh, Ward, the troll. The troll had built himself up to be king of the trolls <laughs> and then was gone. Yeah. Was hidden away, locked. We have the session of they rescue him and then he gets that whole spotlight all the way up. That character was built around the question, am I going to be human or am I going to be a troll? And after a whole session dedicated to him and getting him back, he made the choice. Yeah. Now I know you planned on playing the character further if we would have continued the game. Well, it, but that is a perfect yeah. swan song ending. That character chose to be human, chose love, and could have moved off into the sunset and never been played again, and it would have been a satisfying ending. So swan songs are not necessarily the choice of the game master or the choice of the players. I think it's like this consensus thing. So with that character, Ward, like Wayne said, I I had kind of made this character where he's human in the Dresden thing. I was thinking of playing him and stuff. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, his story is done. Because Dawn had a sort of counterpart character to him. She was playing this ice wizard. She had trouble getting in touch with her emotions. She had been raised. Her father was this horrible person, but super powerful. And everyone was afraid that she would become both super powerful and horrible as well. And so they like isolated her and had trouble making relationships. Well, my character from the very first game, and this was a multi-year campaign with lots of characters, went on and on and on. My character, one of the traits I, I made for him was that he was unabashedly, inconsolably, irredeemably in love with Dawn's character. Just 100% in love with her, could not tell her that at all. Because she was so distant and to him so cool and so awesome. She was way out of the league and he was just a piece of trash. And he could never express that at all. And so he did this sort of puppy dog thing with her. Like she could wrap him around her finger. But the thing is, she was so whatever that she didn't. And she couldn't and she didn't even think to do that or know how. So it goes on and on and on. And in this game, in this one session, this last session, all this stuff happens. They're going up to fight the bad guy, the big bad, the big, horrible bad guy, and they might not make it. And he stops and he says, I love you. I've always loved you. I think he apologized (laughs) because he thought that she was going to hit him. And she said, I don't know if I love you, but I like you and I'm really willing to give this a chance. I might love you. And they kissed. And in Dresden... There's this whole thing. It was true love, which is an actual like concept in Dresden that just isn't something you write poetry about. And then they go to fight the white court vampires who feed off of emotion, sexuality and stuff. And there's like this negotiation. We're talking. We're going to be all tough. And then we surreptitiously pull their one ace card that they had. Well, we don't need to negotiate anymore. 
Ward flips the table over there in this high-rise office building and tackles the white court vampire, smashing her out the window into this huge, like, 40-story drop where they're, you know, using their supernatural powers to beat each other up on the way down. And they're going to hit down, and Ward can survive it. The white court vampire could probably survive it, too, but she's going to get injured. Hits the ground, and she uses her powers on him to feed off of him, to drain him. And she's like a lust vampire. And it's pointed out, and I didn't know this because I don't know Dresden, it was pointed out that, wait a minute, didn't he just express true love for this woman he truly loves like 10 minutes ago? Uh, Yeah. Well, in Dresden, that's poison for a white cord vampire. So the white cord vampire fed on him and poisoned herself and let Ward beat her, but... Then Tara, Dawn's character, came down and Ward was making this decision. She was standing by him to protect him and he was going to become like the king. And he's like, I don't want it. Well, the sort of concept is that it would pass on to some. He is compelled spiritually to pass this on to someone else. And the only person there was Tara, was the woman he loved. And no one else was around. And he was begging her to leave and run away, and she wouldn't leave him. And so he made the decision, I'm not going to do this to her. I'm going to become human and get rid of everything. And then he became human. Well, he became human for true love and to protect the woman that he loves. And she stood by him because she ultimately loved him. What other story do you have? Yeah. What, can you, what story well, can you tell after that's all? That's the piece of advice that I think we got out of all of this. Because you were asking, well, what's the piece of advice we get out of this? Recognize those moments. Yeah. Because I've seen characters have that moment, and then they keep getting played, and the character mm-hmm. just yeah. gets watered down. Yeah. If the character story is over, let it happen. Yep. Though I, I think I would also give the opposite sort of advice on this to couch that a bit, which is... Because of the fact that you've hit a period in the character story as opposed to a comma, that doesn't mean you have to end the character story. Because you could, and I'm not saying you should, but you could go on to tell a very compelling story about Ward now in the Dresden universe Mm -hmm. as a human. I know humans have, they get tons of fate chips and they have their own perks and whatever and and things. And so there is unquestionably a story that could be told there. So please don't feel some weird compulsion that the moment a character hits a meaningful end of an arc that you have to blow their brains out or send them off into the background and roll credits. You don't have to. But I think you should think about it. But well, and I make that decision consciously. Well, and I I think the one big question that I would ask as well is from a table metagame standpoint, do people appear satisfied with where things are at? Is the player satisfied that they got to tell the story they want to tell? Are the other player characters satisfied that this is a good place for that story to end? Whether it's death, whether it's simply... Because in the case of uh, Motomar, his story was over. Now, he died, but whether he had died or not, when he chose to stay with the Carvers, that was probably the last you were going to see of him. Mm -hmm. The most he was ever going to be after that was maybe a proper noun in rumors and news you were never going to see him again in any meaningful way his story was over but that was certainly an ending that overall meaning that the character story was being ended there in sunset not specifically how it got sunset that wasn't my choosing yeah that was something that you as a group had worked towards that eric had worked towards that eric had made as a decision multiple times in that game up to the moment before his death the person that was indirectly responsible for his death even came in and had a, a NPC to PC moment that was me as a game master doing a final check of, are you sure this is the road you want to walk? Mm-hmm. And when he picked yes, then that was it. You know, his character story was done. And even if he had survived that moment, which it was possible, it was unlikely, but even if he had survived that moment, his story was over. But it's a great storytelling device. For you as a game master to recognize, not necessarily to create, but to recognize these ebbs and flows, these beats to the story, where suddenly it just makes sense to do something, and you just kind of go with it. Yeah, because you can always make more characters. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, you don't want to run somebody dry by 
punishing them for investment. Your punishment for good storytelling and good character design is I'm going to kill your character <laughs> to make a point, you know. Yeah. Or to, I want to point out for everyone that does the death pool on characters in Skies of Glass, Eric has had more characters die. Doesn't matter that one of them came back to life. <laughs> he has had more characters die than me. <laughs> yes, though, yeah. And I think I'd keep it that way because as far as I'm concerned, you've only had one character die. Because Boone died, your other character was a metagame suicide. <laughs> yeah. Wayne knew damn well what firing a missile launcher point blank range meant. Yep. You wanted to play Philip again. And I support that. I totally Phil's support that. a great that. character. Yeah, he's, he's a great character. I totally support that. But I have no delusions about what occurred there. Oh, yeah. I knew he wasn't going to survive the shot. They, <laughs> you know, that was definitely a, I've got another character I'm enjoying more. This character has played out everything I wanted to play out with him. And... This is going to be epic. It definitely went out with a boom. Oh, the bang, yeah. All right, I think that's where we're going to end this one. So, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.